Welcome to In The Know. I'm Mark Brown and today I'm joined by David Mulholland of Investment Managers Brooks MacDonald to discuss dealing with vulnerable clients. David, could you firstly explain a bit about your background and role within Brooks MacDonald? Sure, Mark, no, no problem. Um, so I've been at Brooks MacDonald for about three and a half years now and uh, my role is to, to lead the distribution of our personal injury uh, and court protection uh, investment service. But that, that lends itself to, to the fact that I spend a good deal of time talking about vulnerability uh, and vulnerable client regulation, which underpins the service. Uh, but I've been in the industry, financial services, about 23, 24 years now after working for Norwich Union and uh, uh, Aviva in the past. But I also spent um, about five or six years working as a financial advisor before coming to Brooks McDonald. Thanks, David. So let's start with the regulatory landscape around vulnerability which seems set for more change. How do you think financial and legal services providers need to adapt to this? Yeah, I think this is something that many firms are, are still considering, really. Um, in, in the past few years, there's been a, a kind of a cross-industry focus uh, on vulnerability, uh, and that vulnerability being caused by, by a, you know, a really wide range of, of client circumstances. Uh, and the concern is that, that these circumstances affect people's ability to access and also to ascertain the value of the services that they, they may require. Um, in part, the, the ageing UK demographic, and if we're honest, the, the ageing demographic of our client banks is forcing you know, regulators and uh, service providers to, to look at their target markets uh, and consider how they can support clients in difficult circumstances. Um, when considering how to adapt, there's been a great deal of kind of regulatory um, output uh, on this and, and probably one piece of paper that overarches that was uh, a report put out in, in 2015 by the National Audit Office who were asked by Parliament to, to look at uh, vulnerable consumers within regulated industries um, and it just good, gave a good overarching summary of regulation at the time and, and probably where we still are today looking at service interaction with vulnerable people throughout the country. The, the main things that came out from that were people suffered from exclusion from service provision, um, people were in financial difficulties which meant they, they weren't able or didn't think they could access the services that they might require and also many people suffered from poor uh, user experience. So these are the kind of overarching things we need to consider and firms are looking at but driving down from that paper other regulators such as the FCA, SRA, Legal Services Board have looked at key themes around accessibility and inclusion of services and that's the real centre point for this, really, to make sure that if we're dealing with vulnerable clients or clients going through difficult times, we can still offer a service that's accessible and a service that they can buy into and understand. Um, but when trying to adapt to it, I think the FCA gave good, gave good guidance. Um, they were pointing to the, the benefits of using a vulnerable client policy at the centre of an organisation as, as a foundation for how vulnerability is dealt with. And it means that staff should be trained, really, in terms of using the the existing experience of the firm in, in past dealings with vulnerable clients, but looking at how staff can be helped to identify, record, which helps that information to be shared within the firm and perhaps with other firms, but then also to support clients who, who are in difficulty. Thanks, David. Some key points in there, but the one thing I would draw out is the, the need for communication with and training of client-facing staff. Without this, I can see a lot of good work behind the scenes falling down in practice. Moving on, what should clients expect from their professional service providers? Yeah, I think um, it probably sounds obvious, but understanding our clients is, is key. Um, you know, it's, it's important that clients 
you know, work with service providers who understand their situation and, and can account for their needs and their changing needs and their circumstances, obviously. And the current regulatory framework in any industry really already demands this from an overarching, you know, best interest point of view. Um, but I think it's important for clients to understand, you know, the various ways a client could become vulnerable. And there is a, a you know, wide range of circumstances, as I've said. And, you know, just to give a couple of examples, it, it could be a client that's um, been recently bereaved and perhaps struggling to cope with loss. Um, and although that can be a, a temporary vulnerability, um, it can also be compounded by the, the, the need to deal with, you know, various different matters, you know, related financial and legal matters, for example, um, which, which is a difficult situation to be in and service providers should be aware. Another example is clients, you know, from past experience dealing with clients uh, who've suffered serious injury and are maybe adapting to a new life. Um, and that, that can cause a whole range of both, you know, obviously physical, but also mental challenges that are presented to, to the, the person who's been injured, but also to the wider family. Um, and also there can be clients who don't present such, you know, direct or obvious vulnerabilities. Um, in, in our own world, it's a key focus for the regulator of clients who have limited financial capability and understanding of our, our services which prevents them, it's that exclusion piece, prevents them to, from getting involved and getting access to the services that might support them best. Um, I mean, as a good guide, the FCA in recent guidance have put out a, a list of drivers of vulnerability, as they call them, which is 23 different kind of sets of circumstances, everything from loss of mental capacity to perhaps suffering to domestic or financial abuse, um, that can be a useful guide for any anyone really in, in terms of the breadth of the issue involved. But again, I come back to this point again and again, that where a vulnerable client policy is in place, there's a lot of support there and framework to help identify, record and support those clients. And I think that helps issues to be spotted quickly, which is good, because again, then we've got the best opportunity to deliver a, you know, a good service. But also the, the, the policy and monitoring it allows uh, providers to look at areas where they can improve going forwards. Thanks, David. So it seems to me that assessing a firm's approach to dealing with vulnerable clients and their policy for this should be an essential part of a due diligence exercise before any referrals are made. How do you think solicitors, financial planners and investment managers approach the wide range of issues that can cause client vulnerability? I think, again, it's, it's an understanding piece, um, you know, understanding our own roles, um, you know, certainly for us as investment managers, for you guys as financial planners and for other professionals we're working with. Understanding our roles and the roles of our fellow professionals is, is a good foundation for that. Um, and and to, to that end, I've seen one key area that we can help clients through is, is promoting, promoting and monitoring, you know, regular signposting for other essential services. And again, that can be monitored through a vulnerable client policy to make sure that, you know, we're all aware of the the scope and reach of our own service provision but where that stops we've got to be careful not to stray and try and support clients in difficulty perhaps beyond the remit of our own services if that makes sense i mean as you'll know you know clients often you know exhibit a number of needs when interacting with any professional perhaps it's lawyers financial advisors accountants but each provider can can use their own skills as a professional to know when they should reach out and make make a, a responsible referral um, I mean, you mentioned the due diligence piece, and um, I think when it comes to sharing due diligence between firms, which is be becoming increasingly important, not just within industries, but also when considering re referrals in between industries. Um, I, I think a good example of the best practice is, is to share vulnerable client policies between those firms, because that really promotes confidence that any referral of a client is made to the, the firm, another firm that's got the right skills to, to serve that client best. Uh, and obviously that again points to the value of having that well-researched and familiar signposting network and 
that's something that I've seen other industry bodies in the legal industry, um, solicitors for the elderly, uh, from what I understand, their members uh, as part of their syllabus are encouraged to network and understand, you know, what their community is so they can signpost appropriately for, for services beyond the, with the scope of their own. Um, but also, I think with referrals, it's important for all parties that regular updates are in place, such as, for example, if a referral is received by, by a financial services company from, from a law firm, you know, the financial services firm, if it's a financial planner, will see the client on a regular basis, perhaps every year, probably twice a year. And in those circumstances, there could be changes in circumstances that should be referred back to the lawyer who passed the client in the first place. And I think sometimes that can be forgotten. And I think it's, it's, it's probably a point of best practice to make sure that does happen. Um, and again, you know, these, all these areas of legal and financial services, they need regular input from all the professionals across, and also across generations within a, within a family where we're looking at intergenerational planning to make sure all these aspects and changes in circumstances are accounted for. And again, that, that, that's underpinned by a common understanding of each firm's approach to vulnerability. Thanks, David. This really confirms what we already know in the sense that a client's professional advisor should be working together to support their client's needs and objectives. And when they do that, the, the client will get a far better outcome. Lastly, mental capacity seems an area of particular concern. What steps can be taken to ensure a consistent and appropriate services provided? Yeah, that's um, that's a tough question. It's it's a difficult area. Um, you know, as you'll know, it's a growing area of concern for advisors due in part to the ageing client banks. Um, you know, we, we can't really go into great detail into the Mental Capacity Act here, but it's clear that you know mental capacity to make decisions, which is as you'll know, is, is time and decision specific, can be affected by you know a wide range of factors, and you know. The assessment of someone's capacity to make those decisions can't be taken lightly and it should really be dealt with by you know professional mental capacity assessors um i think in the legal community they've been well aware of this you know, for some time in financial services as we're servicing clients for longer into later lives it's becoming more of a, an area of interest um but yeah i mean loss of capacity and fluctuating fluctuating capacity can make any advice process really difficult where the right protection hasn't been put in place you know prior to loss of capacity i think you know, again, uh, regular communication between firms is really important. I think that's a good place to stop for now. David, thank you for sharing your thoughts with us today on this important aspect of our client relationships. Certainly plenty of food for thought in there for all of us. Thank you for listening to this episode of In The Know. As ever, if you wish to discuss this or any related financial planning subject, please do get in touch.